This week as I was reading and studying, I just was just allowing the Lord to move and this morning I didn't preach on declutter and I really feel like God has given me a message for today that has nothing really to do with what we talked about or what we started last week. But how many know God is a God sometimes where He changes plans a little bit, right? And we have to be open for Him to change our plans. And I had a plan to come to church today and preach part two of declutter, um, but I had to... uh, submit right to the Lord's leading and go a whole different route for the first service and I believe God is calling me to do that going into the second service today so if you uh, they didn't I didn't have this plan so they're going to do their best to get all the scriptures on the screen as we go they did really well for it being last minute the first service but this is a great time for you to learn let's bring our Bibles to church Right or your phone or whatever it is that you use because sometimes God's going to change our plans and things are going to be different than what we expected it to be. But how many know, as we are His church, we got to be open to His ways. Amen? And first service, we had an awesome time. I'm so excited to see what God is doing in, in growing two services now and, and people coming out to 8.30 and 10.30 service. And God's not done yet, amen? And I believe the 8.30 service is going to be just as full as this service and they're both going to continue to take off and God's going to continue to move. Uh, but this morning, I feel like the Lord has me to ask you as I was reading and during the first service when I got off the stage, I grabbed my Bible and I was trying to scroll through Scripture and write a couple things down. Um, But I feel like God would ask you today, where is your faith? And I I feel like there's some people this morning that need to hear this. I don't know who you are or what you're going through, but we know a man that can bring us through every circumstance and obstacle and things that come our way. And we serve a God that will bring us through, but how many know we have to have faith in a God that makes the impossible possible? And I don't know what it is you're going through, but I believe if, if Jesus were standing here today, I really believe in my spirit that God's going to speak through me, and I really believe that if he were standing here today, he would say to you and ask the question, where is your faith? Some people put faith in everything else going on in the world or even in yourself, and it's far from having faith in Jesus. How many have heard about the thing that's the revival that's taking place in Kentucky right now? There's a revival taking place. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not downing anything that's going on there. It's an awesome thing that's going on there. But it's not just for there. So I want you to understand. Listen, it's not just for there. I'm glad and thankful that people are getting it. And, and the crazy thing I've mentioned in the first service, as far as I know, I, I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, this college that this is taking place at is very much Methodist background. This is what I've been, this is what I've been looking into. This is what I've been told. I'm not saying anything against the Methodists, but I do know this is a wake-up call for the Methodists. Like, I will say that. I'm not, i got no problem saying that. Because a lot of people uh, that I've talked to before in the Methodists and things like that, they don't really necessarily believe in all the, the giftings and healing and spiritual things that take place as what we, you would call, Pentecostal crazy people do believe in, right? You know, that's, that's where it's at. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. To me, Pentecostal is not a religion. It's not a denomination. It's an experience you have through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's an experience that should excite you. It's an experience that should spark something inside of you, especially when you see a Methodist movement that's hitting revival right now, and yet many Pentecostal church are seeing nothing. Is that all right? We got people from different denominations that are seeing sparks in different colleges and things like that. And the problem is, is is a lot of people are disregarding that it's a revival because, oh, it's not happening in a church. Revival is not just going to happen inside a church building on Sunday morning. Look, and it's not just going to happen in the people that, oh, you've experienced revival before. Half the people, I'd be... be, uh, honest enough to go three quarters of the people probably at this college that I've listened to interviews and things like that have never even experienced anything like this before. Now something like this broke out in the 70s as far as I've looked into 1970 something like that around there they had a revival take place but the fact is is the problem is revival is not going to look like many people or seasoned people in the church think that it's going to look like. God's going to use people that we wouldn't think he would use Right? God's going to raise people up that you wanted to have them sit down. And it doesn't matter their age or how they were brought up. God's going to use whoever's willing and able to allow the Lord to work in them. And that's when revival will spark. Okay? 
Now, what I'm getting at is, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm excited, but you know what? It's going to get very old if all you keep hearing is Kentucky. It's going to get very old if all you keep hearing is the ones that are doing it right now. It's going to get really old. I've had people send me different things, which is great. But if you supposedly got faith, then your faith shouldn't just be for Kentucky. It should be for Maine. If you supposedly got faith and you're a believer in Christ, you should have faith enough to say, I don't want to just see it there and on the news. I want to experience it here and now and see it for myself and feel it for myself. But I believe if Jesus were here today, he would say, where is your faith? Because Jesus responds to faith. Now, like I said, we're not touching declutter today. We're talking about where is your faith. And I, I really believe this is what God has laid on my heart this morning as we were in worship. But if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start there. And I'll give you a heads up because I didn't warn the other ones before. There, we're going to be jumping quite a bit all over the place. But for those uh, that got here a little late, uh, earlier like you normally do for the 1030 service, we were still having service he, in, for the 830 service. We were still going on. Um, but that's because I've said it and I'll say it again. I'm not going to stop his presence because we got a service coming in. If you come in and there's a service going on, come in and worship. Come in and enter in. I'm not going to cut it off what God is doing because people are pulling into the parking lot. Now, with that said, I know we got a crazy parking lot situation going on this morning. All right? Now, there's some people that, you know, it's, we don't want a demolition derby out here after church, all right? So we're going to, everybody just try to use wisdom on getting out and leaving and things like that. Don't be in a rush and lose a bumper, Okay? So we're, we're, we're going to be getting the other entrance taken care of sooner than later, and that will all be taken care of, but we had no other way of fixing it before the weekend, so that's why we had to do this road. But just be careful when you leave. That's my plug-in for the parking lot before I get into my message. So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 9, I guess I should probably turn there. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read verse 1 through 8. And there's just some things that I want to point out this morning to you. And starting with verse 1, it says, Jesus stepped into a boat and crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man. I mean, it's not fun for somebody to be paralyzed, right? Now, when you think of a paralyzed man, you're probably thinking of somebody that can't walk and can't move. Now, that's what's going on here right now. But how many know if you don't have faith, you got fear? And if all you have is fear, fear will paralyze you. Fear will keep you from going where God wants you to go and keep you where you're not supposed to stay. You're going to be paralyzed if you don't have faith in God. You will be paralyzed by fear. So this man had a physical problem, and you might not be physically paralyzed, but spiritually you're paralyzed because you're bound by fear. So they brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. What's the next line say? When Jesus saw their faith. Now, I said this a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again. We need to have faith like other people's lives depend on it. If you have weak faith, you're not doing anybody any good. Jesus didn't heal sometimes in the Bible because of that person's faith. One place in Scripture says, I didn't heal you because of your faith. I healed you because of your friend's faith. So somebody else's faith healed that man. So we need to have faith like other people's lives depend on it. Like their healing depend on, depends on it. Their victory depends on your faith. And if we're walking around with no faith, we're not doing anybody any good. He said to this man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 3, at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, he's Jesus. See, he knows what they're thinking. Can I tell you this? Jesus knows what you're thinking. Jesus knows if you're full of faith or if you're full of doubt. Jesus knows if your mind is full of faith or if it's full of fear. He already knows what you're thinking. But how many are thankful even he know, in times when he knows what you're thinking and even if your thoughts aren't exactly where they should be, he has a way of turning them around to be what they are supposed to be. Right? This fellow is blaspheming. No, he, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. How many are thankful for that? Amen. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Then, a man got, then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, people were watching. A crowd, it says. It didn't say one or, one or two. It said a crowd. It says when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. You know what sparked right here? A revival. Now, you might not think of it as that because we want to think of revival of what we think it's supposed to look like. We're looking for the big thing when there's revivals and a lot of little things. But the crowd saw this, and they were filled with awe, and they praised God. It doesn't say that a, a bunch of believers were gathered together and saw it. We want to we think, well, if they knew who God was, and they've not, not, not everybody praises God. A Christian and a non-Christian both have faith, but it's where their faith lies is key. People who don't have faith in Christ have faith in everything else in the world around them and the people in their life. A Christian doesn't have faith in the world around them. They have faith in God. They both have faith, but their faith is different. But it doesn't say what kind of faith the crowd had. But it said when they saw this, they were filled with awe and began to praise God who had given such authority to man. Now if you go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 through 26. So we see what with what we just read, it said when Jesus saw their faith. So my first question to you this morning is, can Jesus see your faith? Does he see doubt or faith? Does he see fear or does he see faith? You know, it takes, it, it's, it's pretty easy to believe everything you hear on the internet, everything you hear on the news, but it takes faith to believe the word of God. And there's so many people just falling into the trap of believing everything that they hear, everything that they see. But Scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight. But we have so little faith and so much fear because we're focused on everything going on around us. It's like I said before, it's we got people on, on social media, right? And you got all these things that God is doing around the world. But yet, some, and I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. This is something the church has an issue with. People in the church, they have no problem sharing everything negative. This about the president, this about the governor, this about Russia, this about Ukraine, this about this, that, blah, 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 blah. No problem at all. But when is the last time you shared something about faith on social media when it's something that encouraged you? You know, the Bible also says not to cause anyone to stumble, right? You might, you might struggle with faith. And if all you do is share things that give you fear, you could be causing somebody else that battles with fear to stumble in fear. So why not, if all you're going to do is spend time on social media, why not make good use of your time and share things that are not just going to build your faith, but are going to build people's faith around you because people depend on you as well. Amen. But we're so focused on everything else. Like I said last Sunday, our mind is so full of worldly things that there's barely any scripture in our minds anymore because of everything going on in our world. Well, Pastor John, we need to be aware of what's going on. Absolutely. You can be aware but not have it take up all your time and occupy all your mind. Because if all you do, if all I did, and I'm willing enough to admit it, if all I did was sit around and, and just focus on everything going on in our world and that's it, let me tell you what, I would, I'd probably have fear. I'd probably have anxiety and I'd probably have worry. But when you know God and you know his word and you put yourself in a position where you're not just focusing on this thing but you're focusing on what God says about that thing, you know that you're more than a conqueror and you are victorious and in the end, we win and we're on the winning side. So no matter what happens in this life, in the present or in the future, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't say the weapons won't come. It doesn't say the enemy won't try to destroy. But what it does mean is when he does try to, it will not fulfill its purpose that he had on your life. But you have to know the word of God. And if all you live is in, in fear and not faith, you will not stand on the promises of God. It won't happen. Matthew chapter 9, verse eight, starting with verse 18. We're going to read 18 through 26. 
While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died. So what are we catching here? Daughter's dead, right? No, no longer have breath in her lungs. She's dead. But what's it going to say? The guy says, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. She's dead. Sorry. But she has, she ha he has faith enough in Jesus. So evidently he's either heard or seen what Jesus did for him to have faith like this. My daughter has just died, but come put your hands on her and she will live. That's faith. Do you believe, where is your faith, and do you believe that we serve a God that can still raise people from death to life? Yeah. Oh, Pastor John, we want revival. Okay, awesome, but you don't believe that Jesus can raise the dead and heal the sick and make the blind see and the mute talk and the lame walk, but we want revival? When people are getting saved and people are getting healed and people are being set free, that's revival. Stop waiting for something to come when you need to get involved in what God wants to do already in the present. Well, Pastor John, revival, I've experienced revival, and this doesn't look like what I've experienced. I don't care what you've experienced. That was then. We're in now. The revival you experienced back in 1965, right, probably is going to look a little bit different than what it's going to look like in 2023. We can't expect God just to do the same thing over and over and over again every time things hit. We need to ask God for something different, something fresh, and something new every time. Put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. So if this man never would have gone to Jesus, Jesus never would have gone up, got up and gone with him, and the daughter would never have been healed. And nobody would have witnessed it. But he had faith. Verse 20, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So here he is on his way to heal a dead girl, right? He's on his way to heal a dead girl, but yet at the same time on his way to one miracle, he performs another. Can I tell you this? As Jesus is performing your miracle, he also can perform everybody else's miracle because he's God. She had been bleeding for 12 years, came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I'll be healed. So she didn't say, if he can lay hands on me. She didn't say, well, if I can gather in the group of elders, or I can gather with the board and the pastor, or gather with the disciples in the church, and, and if they just all gather around me and lay hands on me. And she didn't even say, if, oh, if they anoint me with oil, brace yourself. I'm not saying these things are wrong and don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that she said, if only I can touch him. She didn't ask for anything else. She didn't expect anything else. She had an issue and she wanted it taken care of. And she had faith enough to say, you know what? I've tried everything else. I can't do it anymore. I am going to go to Jesus and I'm going to touch him. And I know if I touch him, I will be healed. How many know that's faith? It takes faith. Because at the end of the day, she wasn't even supposed to be where she was. Because she was considered unclean. She wasn't supposed to be there. And if anybody touched her, they would have been considered unclean. But she had faith enough to go against the norm. She had faith enough to cross the line. She had faith enough to go against the religious leaders and the Pharisees of that day. And she said, nothing is going to stop me from receiving my healing. I've battled with this long enough. I don't want to battle any longer. If I can just touch him, I know I'll be healed. That's faith. So let's go back and see what happened. If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Notice here he didn't say, my, my, I healed you. Why don't you catch this? He didn't say, I healed you. Daughter, I healed you. We know it was Jesus. 
We know it was. But you know what? He didn't say, I did it. He said, your faith healed you. Jesus is the one who heals, but if we don't have faith enough to reach out and touch him, why do we expect him to do it all while we do nothing? Well, Pastor John, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. Have you ever wondered that maybe you thought you prayed, but all you did was talk to somebody in the church about it? You thought you prayed, but all you did was go to the altar and just sit there and that was it? Did you really pray? Because prayer is powerful and it changes things. But God also knows our hearts and knows our motives. We don't always understand why it didn't get answered when it got answered. We don't understand why it hasn't been answered yet. And you know what? I don't have all the answers. You're going to come to me sometimes as your pastor and say, Pastor John, why this? And I'm going to look at you straight in the face and I'm going to say, I don't know. But I'm going to do my best to pray and ask for the Lord leading and the Holy Spirit to guide me and I'll give you the best answer that the Lord leads me to give you. But there's going to be times when I say, you know what, right now I don't have an answer for you. You know why? Because I'm just as human as you are. And if all I do is sit around and try to figure out God, we're never going to figure it out. Because if we could figure it out, it wouldn't be God. But that's not going to stop me from standing behind the pulpit on Sundays and believing that God can do the impossible. And that God can still heal. Well, Pastor John, I prayed for so-and-so over and over and over, and they died. These are questions that I've been asked before. And you know what? They're tough questions as a pastor to answer because I don't have all the answers. But you know what I tell people all the time? Pastor, they believed in the Lord. They had faith, but they went home to be with the Lord and my prayers didn't work. Yeah, they did. Because right now they're, they're in heaven with no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, completely new and transformed, and they will live in eternity completely brand new the rest of their life. Do I understand why they didn't get healed here and maybe they got healed and they got healed in heaven? I don't have the answers. But that's where faith comes in. And without faith, we're going to sit around questioning God all day long, every day. But when you have faith, knowing, okay, God, I trust you. I have faith in you. I I prayed and, and they didn't get healed here. But Lord, because of their relationship with you, they're in eternity completely healed and made whole today in Jesus' name. They're healed. We don't understand sometimes why God does it here and sometimes why he doesn't do it here. But don't put it on you like you ain't got enough faith. Well, it must have been because my faith was weak. There's a lot of people in the church that will say, well, you didn't receive your healing because your faith isn't strong enough. Or you didn't receive that because you're not strong enough. Look, we got to trust the sovereignty of God. we got to believe what God says and what God does. We might not always have the answers. But he does. Because that's what faith is. I mean, it would be easy if we had it all figured out. It'd be easy if we had everything figured out. I'm not telling you to stop studying and stop learning. But at the end of the day, there's going to come some times in your life where you're like, you know what? I don't understand it, but I have faith in God. I don't understand it, but I trust God. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When you pray for something and when you pray, do you pray with an expectancy that it might happen or that it'll happen a year down the road or Lord, if it's your will? Or do you pray at that moment prayers? Do you pray instantly prayers? Well, Pastor John, I've been seven times to the altar and I've been prayed for and it hasn't happened. Go an eighth time. Pray until something happens. Weak faith can pray three or four times and not get an answer. But strong faith is persistent and committed to pray until the answer comes. But it's not always easy. But that's faith. Where is your faith? Now let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 31. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. These two guys are blind. Catch this now. They're blind, but they're calling out to Jesus. But if they're blind, they couldn't see Jesus. Right? 
I'm not a rocket science scientist or anything, but pretty sure if you're blind, you're not going to see him. Doesn't say how they saw him. I believe they must have sensed him. How can you call on somebody that you can't see? Just food for thought. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Jesus asked them this. Do you believe that I am able to do this? I believe he's also asking you this morning, whatever you're going through, do you believe that I am able to do this? You know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through. And to be honest, I don't have to know what you're going through. I'm open for people to share with me and I'm open to encourage and give advice and, and lead and direct people. But at the end of the day, you have a direct lifeline to the Father through prayer and communication and in His Word. But He says here in His Word, do you, have, do you believe that I can do this? Think about that. What happened? Evidently, they believed. Evidently, they believed that God could do the, make the impossible possible. And what they say? Yes, Lord. They didn't say, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I just met you. Right? I heard some things that you've done, but I'm really kind of iffy. I don't know really what's going on. But, but what they say? They said, yes, I do believe. And I believe if Jesus were asking you today, do you believe that I can do this? Some of you will not answer yes because you're full of fear and no faith. We have to have faith. So when Jesus says, do you have faith for this? Or, or do you believe that I can do this? We can say, yes, Lord, like these blind men did. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and said, Ready? According to your faith. According to your faith. So this tells me your level of faith is important. It says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. If you want something done unto you, where is your faith? According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. How did they find restoration to their sight? According to their faith. And their faith was in the right person. Ready? But it continues. I like this. It says, Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? But I think Jesus already knew that it wasn't going to be hush-hush. What it's saying, verse 31, but they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. You know what this is? A start of another revival. I don't believe revival is a one-time event. Revival should be ongoing events. Revival is not a three-week session of people getting saved and then it stops. Revival should be an ongoing thing where lives are being changed, souls are being saved, blind eyes open, lame people walking, mute people speaking, possessed people being delivered, all by the power of Jesus Christ. That's revival. Amen. Not just coming to church on Sunday and worshiping and sitting in church, we can keep in a chair warm because it's the thing to do. That's not faith. Faith isn't a trip to church. Faith is a daily lifestyle. Do you got faith or do you got a trip to church on Sunday? Some of you are like, man, I wish you would have done declutter. I wish you would have done declutter. <laughs> but it says they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. When you experience God, do you go out and spread it all over your area or do you keep it to yourself like it's all about you? How can we say we want to see revival when we can't let revival start in us? Revival doesn't start in a building. Revival starts in your heart. And if you can't get revival in your heart, and if the people in the kingdom of God can't get a spark in their heart, they're never going to see it. And if it does come, it could punch them in the face and they wouldn't even know it's here. Seriously. 
We're missing out on what God is doing right when it's right in front of us because of all the crap that's going on around us. Because we're battling fear and faith. We're battling with it. Jesus, with his authority, healed these men and women in, this, in these places of Scripture we just read. Now, I'm only in one chapter. You can read many more chapters and see what God has done. But I want you to see something. Every one of these places that I just read was in response to their faith. Do we just pray or do we have faith for what we're praying for? Because the, the great thing to do is, is when you're battling to go to somebody and say, hey, can you pray for me? Can I tell you this? I don't want just anybody praying for me. I don't. If you don't have faith, don't pray for me. And if you don't have faith, don't pray for somebody else. You need to have people coming around you and praying for you that are full of faith. I don't want people full of doubt praying for me. I don't want somebody, if I'm battling physically, to come up and say, well, I'm going to use the words, but in my mind, I don't believe it's happening. No. I want people to pray for me that I know are solid in the faith and they know that God can do all things. But it was in response to their faith. Do you have faith to be healed of whatever you're going through? Look, I don't care what you come in here with. I don't care what kind of addiction you have. I don't care what kind of struggle you have. I don't care what emotional, physical, spiritual, mental problems you got going on. You either got faith to be restored or you don't have faith at all. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years. Bleeding for 12 years. And she finally came to that place where you study this, she spent all her money. She's tried all physicians. She tried everything and nothing worked. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you tried everything and nothing worked. You're an addicted person to something and you've tried everything for that the world has told you that this will help you, this will fix you, and it truly is not working. You've gone places and it's not working. You've read self-help books and it's not working. Let me tell you what, I'm not against books that encourage you, but some self-help book ain't going to set you free. The Word of God will set you free when you have faith for what the Word says and what is written in His Word. Amen. I'm not saying going to a counselor is bad. Let me tell you this, if your counselor only has a worldly view and no godly view, it's not going to help you at all. If I advise anybody that needs to see a counselor, see a Christian counselor. Because worldly counselors are only going to give you inputs that the world thinks and how the world believes. And you don't need that garbage that you think is going to deliver you from things. You need people of faith. You need people that are actually going to come alongside of you and want to see you go where God wants you to go. Not keep you bound where they say, well, this will help you, but it really won't. You need faith. And you either got it or you don't. Jesus had the authority. But the awesome thing is we also carry the same authority. But we must have faith to believe for what the authority that he's given us. If you don't have faith for, what, for the authority, then you're not going to walk around with authority. You will not. You know what? You might be here this morning. You say, Pastor John, I'm weak. Great. Because in my weakness, he makes me strong. I'm not saying you continue to walk around weak, but saying you're weak is a great starting point for him to come in and intervene as you have faith that he's going to make you strong. But we must believe for it. Now we're going to go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we're going to read verse 17. Actually, sorry, we're going to read verse 15 through 18. Mark 
It says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. First thing I want to point out here, if you ain't got faith, you're not going to be able to go out and preach to the world. Verse 16, whoever believes, everybody say believes, and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes and with their hands, and, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. So I like that this says that these signs shall accompany them that believe. Another translation says these signs shall follow those that believe. Can I tell you this? You're not called to go out and chase signs and wonders. Signs and wonders should follow you. Well, Pastor John, there's this great thing going on somewhere else. and I'm not saying you don't go to special things and if there's, there's something that's awesome going on. I'm not saying don't go. But let me tell you this. You and your faith doesn't depend on you going somewhere else to receive some encounter somewhere. When you truly understand your authority and what you carry, signs and wonders should follow you. I don't have to go chasing. I don't have to go looking. But Because if it says signs and wonders shall follow me, and if I believe, then we should be seeing signs and wonders. Some of you aren't ready for this today, and I'm fine with that. I'm still going to preach it like you're all ready and you're all excited. I don't care. Because if we want to see God do things, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Let's go to John. John chapter 14. I told you I was going to be in a bunch of different places. John chapter 14, we're going, to do, we're going to read verse 12 through 13. John 14, verse 12 through 13. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do. Say, will do. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. So we're in the book of John. Matthew, we just read, was before this. So everything, even what we just read, which was only a few accounts... Everything we just read, we have authority to do as well. You will do the works I've been doing. Ready? And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So what's this tell me? I can pray for people to be healed. Right? I can pray for blind eyes to be open. I can pray for the lame to walk and the mute to speak. I can pray for financial breakthrough in your life. I can pray for relationships in your life to be restored. Whatever's going on in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, we can ask in the name of Jesus and he can restore and take care of whatever situation you're going through. But you have to do it off faith. What happened when, when Peter got out of the boat? Because of his faith. Right? He saw Jesus. He had faith. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, every time you hear about Peter, it's like, well, he, he sunk. You know, he doubted and he sunk. Well, let's, let's, let's turn the perspective around. He was the only one in the boat to have faith enough to step out when Jesus called. Okay? And he got out and he was walking on water. Right? He walked on water. And how many know you got to have faith <laughs> to walk on water? Right? So he's walking on water, had faith, he saw Jesus, but what happened? He started to focus on his surroundings. The storm started coming, thunder, lightning, all these things started picking up. And what happened? He started to doubt. And what happened when he started to doubt? He started to sink. So that tells me without complete faith in Christ, and if I live in doubt, I'm not going to be raised up spiritually. I'm going to go under. Because all I am is living in doubt. But aren't you thankful that even in the time of his sinking, he had faith enough to call on Jesus? What did he say? Lord, help me. You might be in the dumps right now, and you might feel like because of some doubt that you're sinking, you don't have faith. Today's the day to cry out, Lord, help me. And what does it say? It says that he stretched out his hand and grabbed a hold of Peter and raised him back up standing as he should be. 
Both took faith. It took him faith to get out of the boat, but it took even more faith, I believe, to call when he began to sink. But he had faith. Let's go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Please don't be checking your phones or your watch or your time. I'll be done when I'm done. <laughs> That's when you know you need revival is when people only want to come to church for an hour and 20 minutes and call it good for the week. Not sorry. We're hungry for God, but we got to be out by 12. Yeah. Bunch of baloney, if you ask me. <laughs> Amen. Seriously. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power. Say power. power. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He gave them power. How many know we're disciples of Christ? Right? We're called to be disciples. You're not called to stay new converts. And you're not called to stay new babes in Christ. It's great when you have conversions. It's great when you have new converts. It's great when people get saved. But they're not called to get saved and stay where, they're, where they are. They're called to get saved, be raised up, become a disciple, and do the works of Jesus. But how can we expect new converts to be raised up and do the work of Jesus when half the people in the church do not do the work of Jesus that have been seasoned? They've been in church for years and sit around like they've got it all together and they've done enough in their life and they ain't got to do anymore. We should not expect people who aren't seasoned to do the work of the Lord if people have been in church for 30 years are doing nothing. If you want to see the younger ones and the newly saved people do stuff, then you need to show them what they're supposed to do and help them do what they're called to do. What's well, see, there's even a place in Scripture where it talks about the older women and need to be teaching the younger women. Right? If you're somebody in the church and, and, and you've been saved for so long, it's not to keep it to yourself, it's to raise other people up. He gave them power. Let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So what's this say? This tells me it's not about me. They're not submitting to me. They're submitting to the one who's in me. They're not submitting to my power. They're submitting to his power that I carry. But it says to rejoice that your name is written. Can I tell you this? Because I've been asked questions before. Well, Pastor, this talks about like handling snakes and stuff. Where are we going with this? I'll tell you this right now. <laughs> Honestly, you can be mad at me all you want if this is, if this is what you believe. But I will never be a pastor that's going to say, hey, okay, let's test your faith. It's time to hold snakes today. No. Because I don't believe that's necessarily what... It, I believe this is painting a picture in our minds of what the, what the enemy wants to do and the different types of tactics of the enemy. I do not believe in snake handling. I don't. Now look, I came across the church back a while ago out and I think it was West Virginia. YouTube video somebody sent me. This is legit. They literally come up front. They're a Pentecostal church, I guess. And they literally come up front and uh, handle rattlesnakes and dance at the altar and things like that. And their, their mindset with this is if a snake bites you and you get sick or died, it's because you really weren't a follower of Christ. I was going to say psycho, but that's, that's good, Jim. That's better. Uh, that's good. But you know what? I will say this. You're going to have snakes in your life. And they're going to be snakes of people you thought were close to you. They're going to be people sitting in the church that you thought would never backstab you. They're going to be snakes of people that really do not want to see where God wants you to go and they want to hold you down. You will face snakes and 80% of those snakes are going to be people in your life. 
that you thought were good people, but all they were were people that didn't want you to be successful and all they did really was want you to fail. I've had people, and I'll be honest, I've had people come into this church were nothing but snakes to me. But when I raised myself up to be who God has called me to be and not fight the battle in the flesh, but fight it in the spirit, so you know what? The snakes are no longer here and they're no longer attacking. And you can say, well, pastor, that's kind of harsh. No, it's not harsh when you have discernment and you can recognize when snakes enter your building and you're called to pray, protect yourself, and protect the flock. And you need to pray against the snakes in your life for God to have his way. And he can either remove or change the heart of the snake there's always going to be snakes there's always going to be people that attack and you will face snakes and when it talks about snakes here I don't believe this is necessarily talking about oh a snake let's pick it up right don't be stupid all right I'm just going to say that you can put that in your notes don't be stupid what did you learn from pastor John this Sunday don't be stupid right But you know what? We need to recognize this as no matter what the enemy tries to do, we have all power and authority to trample on it. We used to sing a song growing up in church, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet, the song continues to say. Some of you are living like he's above you, and you need to start living like the word says where he is below you. He is under you, and he's got no authority. Can I tell you what? And some of you might take this the wrong way, but the enemy does have power. But he doesn't have all power. Jesus has all power and all authority. And the enemy will have just as much power as you allow him to have. The old saying, you give the enemy an inch, he'll become your ruler. It's true. It's true. You give him a little bit, he'll become Lord of your life. And he'll reign over your life if you give him that access. You have authority to say yes or no. You have authority to rebuke, and you have authority to say, get behind me, I'm no longer that person, I'm walking in the newness that God has given for my life. But you've got to have faith. We have the power on the inside of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Now we're going to go to my last scripture. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Peter, you want to come up and play? You can do whatever you want. I know I said the other song, but just flow with whatever you want to flow with. Acts chapter 3, we're going to read verse 6 through 16. Actually, no, we're going to read verse 1 through 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Wow, time of prayer. Check that out. Just a normal day. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now he was getting ready to get something, but it's not what he asked for. He asked for money. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What did they have? They they had authority. They had power. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Catch this now. He didn't say, well, he didn't lay hands on the man and say, Lord, if it's your will for him to be healed. He didn't say, Lord, if you're not busy. He didn't say, Lord, we're going to pray in faith, but if you don't want to do it, that's fine. He didn't ask. He spoke. He spoke. He said, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. This man was crippled. He could not walk. But they had faith enough, not only in what Jesus had done, but in who Jesus was, that they believed that they could just speak it, and it would happen. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, everybody say instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Ready? Here's another one. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can I tell you this? When God does something in your life, you're not just a call to be like, well, I guess, okay, God, thanks, whatever. To say here, he became walking and jumping and praising God. Verse 9, ready? When all the people saw him walking. Doesn't say if they were people that believed in God or didn't believe in God. Just says when they saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. When they saw it. I want you to think about that. Jesus didn't only heal the man. But in healing the man, you can imagine it also healed some hearts. The place in Scripture where it talks about the widow who, who lost her son. They brought her son out on a whatever they used back then. I think one of the translations just says a board. They carried him out. They didn't have what you guys have today, these five $6,000 caskets that people are buying today. They had literally like a box board that they were carrying him out to his grave in. And the mother was weeping. She was already a widow. She already lost her husband. We don't know why or how. But she was already a widow. But it says in the Bible where it talks about that, it says, but when Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her. What did he do? He healed the woman's son. But at the same time in healing the woman's son, he healed a broken heart. Two and one. Also in Scripture, when the, when the man came up to Jesus and wanted Jesus to heal his son, he said, come heal my son. And Jesus said, go, your son will be healed. All Jesus said was go. But evidently he had faith to ask Jesus for it. And what happened? The man went home and his son was healed. But this is what I want you to understand. The biggest part wasn't the fact that the son got healed. It's that Jesus healed the father's unbelief. Because if you study that place in Scripture, he said, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Jesus healed his son, but that wasn't the real issue. The real issue was the father's unbelief, and Jesus, through healing his son, healed the father's unbelief. So what's this tell me? We must have faith, and we must believe. Because Jesus responds to faith. There might be different obstacles. There might be different things going on. But I believe we serve a God that's coming through the obstacles. We see a God. What happened when they came to the Red Sea? Right? They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going on. What happened? Stretched out the rod. And what happened? The Lord parted the Red Sea. Parted it. Dry ground. You might be at a place right now in your life where you're up to a place where it's just a solid sea. But I believe Jesus wants to part that. And what I want you to understand, what's cool about this is, as they went across the Red Sea, the enemy was attacking. When God parted the Red Sea, it wasn't just to get them through, but it was also to destroy their enemy. Because what happened when they, the enemy started coming across, he dropped it back down, and they were all destroyed. 
But if you have fear, you'd never be willing to cross. You'd never be willing to cross. But I believe whatever you're going through, Jesus has already walked through and he's fighting battles along the way to get you to bring you back to victory. Because there's things going on that we don't know about. Sometimes your answer might not come, come right away, but there's probably wars going on in the spiritual realm. And God's taking care of other things that you don't see right now before he comes to grab you for victory. Don't know what it looks like. Don't know what it is. But Jesus responds to faith. No matter what the obstacle is, nothing is too hard for God. No matter what the problem is, nothing's too hard. It might be a physical problem. It's not too hard for God. It might be a spiritual problem. Nothing's too hard for God. You ever seen somebody walk on chairs before? How many know i got to have faith to stand right here? Right? I have got faith this chair is going to hold me. What's up, buddy? i got faith this chair is going to hold me. These chairs are like God. You have to believe every step of the way that He's going to hold you. You've got to have faith that no matter what you're going through, He's going to hold you. You've got Kristen sitting in the back. Raise your hand, Chris. Not putting him on the spot. But I'm going to use him as an example. He's just sitting, this isn't anything like, I'm just using him being there. Imagine him sitting there, which he is, and all these things are obstacles between where he is and success. What he's praying for and his answered prayer. All he sees is the obstacle. But I believe Jesus responds to faith. I believe Jesus, when he cries out, I believe Jesus is making a way. Come with me. You're coming back with me, buddy. Come on. You're coming back with me. Come on. Jesus, is he's parting it right now. He's making a way where there seems to be no way. And no matter what he's facing, God's going to bring him through the obstacle. God's going to bring him out victorious. And his prayer is going to be answered no matter what he had to go through. Because Jesus made a way. Some of you just need to be patient because Jesus is working through the obstacles to grab you and bring you out to where you need to be. You're good, buddy. It doesn't mean just because you have faith there isn't going to be obstacles to work through. But it's having faith when those obstacles come that Jesus is going to make a way. Just like he did for, for them at the Red Sea. He made a way. And whatever was attacking him is not going to make it to the other side. I'm going to tell you this. I feel like i got to declare to some of you this morning and prophesy over your life. What's attacking you is not going to make it to the other side. God is parting away, and when you get through the other way, God is going to close down the waters, and whatever's been attacking you is going to be destroyed and no longer attack you anymore. But that's faith. That's faith. Now, I've preached enough on faith. You either believe it or you don't. It's on you. I know that I can be responsible to stand behind this pulpit and preach what God has told me to preach. But what you do, that's between you and God. But I will tell you this, if you don't have faith, you'll never make it. If you don't have faith when things get tough, you're going to buckle, you're going to run. And you will not be strong. Scripture says to stand firm and let nothing move you. If you do not have faith, you cannot stand firm. But with faith, God intervenes. God makes a way. Not only are you changed, but others around you are changed. Because he responds to your faith. According to your faith, he said. Daughter, you're healed according to your faith. Uh, because he saw our faith, the lame man was healed. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have in the name of Christ Jesus, rise up and walk. Don't come to me for a million dollars. 
Come to me for Jesus. Come to me for more Jesus. I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll give you Jesus. What you think you need, you really don't need. What you really need is Jesus. And when you truly realize I'm in need, have faith in what God can do. He responds to your faith. Do you have faith? Let's all stand.